Hey everyone, it's JC, the You Made New Podcast. We're in season five, episode two, and I'm telling you, we are gonna go. No small talk today. We have too much to talk about, and truthfully, I have never, never been more excited <laughs> about a, a topic. Um, this was a game changer for me, what we're going to talk about today. So let's, if you don't mind, let's just quickly, quickly review um, where we started. The foundation we laid in the last episode was spiritual death, right? Um, I want to read just a couple of verses, but I need to start off really quick with a side note to any listeners who are... Um, evangelical, Christian, Catholic, um, any faith other than mine. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as I've said before, but I always tried to keep it, um, this podcast and very biblically based so that it would apply to all of us. We could rejoice in the truths that we all um, believe together. But here's the thing. For this season, I am feeling compelled by the Spirit to include some Latter-day Saint scripture some verses from the Book of Mormon. Now, I know many, if you are not LDS, you may be like, okay, that's it. I'm out. If she's going to do that, I just, I guess I won't listen anymore. But let me just share one quick story with you and beg you (laughs) to hang in there with me. Probably about um, 15, 17 years ago, I was introduced through, uh, it was God, it was totally God, to um, Bible teacher Beth Moore. Saw her on TBN, and, and didn't even look back. I could not believe I'd never seen someone that loved Jesus the way that she did. And began to read, do her Bible studies, read her books, follow her as a teacher. And I, I really can say over the last um, decade, probably no one has had a greater impact on my testimony in terms of just helping me to see a vision of what's possible. But did we always agree? I mean, did she always teach things I agree with? Absolutely not. I I even saw her in person once when she came to Utah. And no, no, we don't agree on doctrine at all sometimes because we are from very different faith traditions. But you know what? The Lord would quietly whisper to me, don't worry about that part. Don't get offended and bail and stay with her. There's things she can teach you. And and it's true of all the Christian writers. You've heard how many that I've quoted in the first four seasons. I've followed a lot of different writers and teachers. And, and I've learned to just take the good, embrace the good. And I'm hoping that as I share a few additional scriptures, um, different some verses, some new ideas, that it won't be a, a matter of offense or driving anyone away that that others can act as I did with Beth and just rejoice in what we do believe and share together. So with that said, I want to share just a couple of quick Book of Mormon scriptures to me that nail it on spiritual death and make the main point that I think we need to use as our jumping off starting point with this season. There's a verse in Helaman chapter 14, verse 16. It says very clearly, the doctrine is being taught that all mankind, it says, by the fall of Adam, being cut off from the presence of the Lord, are considered as dead, both to things temporal and things spiritual. So there's some things we learned in this verse. Number one, it's not just the worst of us, not just the biggest sinners. All mankind through the fall of Adam have been cut off from the presence of the Lord, cast out of the garden like we were talking about, and are considered as dead not just a physical body that's going to die, but spiritually as well. So that makes our point, right? But then here's the second verse. It's in Alma 42, verse 9, again from the Book of Mormon. 
And I've used this one so much in my teaching over year, over the years because it's so clear. The teaching is this. The fall brought upon all mankind a spiritual death as well as temporal. That is, they were cut off from the presence of the Lord. It makes the same point as the last verse. All mankind spiritually dead and what it means to be spiritually dead. In both verses, it says you are cut off from what? From the presence of the Lord. Now, why does that matter to us? Why did I go to the trouble to read those? Because he's the light of the world and being cut off from his presence. Think about the symbolism with Adam and Eve being cut off from the garden. What's the tree that they were cut off from with that? That beautiful tree of life. Life. They were it had to enter into spiritual death. They were cut off from the most grand source of life in the universe. And the same thing happens to us as we sin. And because of the fall, we too are cut off from that source of light. So what happens when you die spiritually? We already talked about this. Let's just review it one more time. You can get dull to spiritual things. Church can be boring. Your natural man can reign where sin just keeps haunting you and plaguing you. And you, you just can't get a handle on it. Addictions, obsessions. I, I, use, I try to think of every word I could think of to capture the side effects of spiritual death. Emptiness, deadness, numbness, lifelessness, a feeling like you're just going through the motions. You just can't get motivated, detached, listless. Burned out, worn out, overwhelmed, exhausted. It could be a lot of different things for each of us. And I hope you've had some time since the last um, episode to really think about how you think spiritual death manifests in your life. But here's where we're going today. The problem is we, we've just kind of gotten used to being in that state. I mean, it almost feels like our new normal, right? To, you know, everybody feels numb or empty sometimes. And everybody self-medicates in one way or another just to, to distract ourselves from that emotional and spiritual pain. It's the reason we binge watch or shop online or eat all the ice cream in the freezer or we're trying to self-medicate from the pain of our spiritual death just to numb it. It's difficult. So... Here's again our main point. When it comes to our spiritual health, we're not just looking for some improvement to do a little better, maybe get a little stronger. We're just a little weak. I need a little bit, you know, a little improvement. No, we need to be brought back to life. Our spiritual life is dead. We need to be brought back to life. We need to be resuscitated. And again, some of us may go, well, wait a second. I sit in church and I can feel that light. And I read my scriptures and I can feel that light. And I would say, same here, right? Same. But why did the emptiness and deadness keep coming back? I could never bottle it. I could never capture it out of my scriptures and keep it with me all the time. It would fade and the emptiness would come back or whatever, restlessness or just feeling out of gas. That spiritual death always reigned in me. Even despite the, the little moments with the Lord, it always came back. So our goal in this season is to learn how to be spiritually reborn through him. Now, what we're going to talk about for the rest of our time was my light bulb moment with all of this. Like it really helped for me in my own journey to kind of begin to understand spiritual death for what it was like, oh, that that's what's going on in my heart that it made sense. It helped make sense of a lot of my misery and my suffering, my struggle. 
But then you just go, well, what can I do about that? This today was my light bulb moment. It came many years ago. And so I've been, I've had a lot of time to chew on all this and study this. But at the time, I can't even tell you what year, I was asked to be the Sunday school teacher in our congregation for like the 16, 17, 18 year old teenagers. And man, those kids are smart. And so I had to do my homework. I was immersed in the gospels that year. We were doing the New Testament, talking about stuff and those kids knew their stuff. And so I really, I had time. I was a stay home mom and I was, I was studying. I was really studying the gospels. And that year, what happened is that I, I just kept finding myself drawn to the book of John. Just over and over, I just kept returning to his words and studied and marking and, and pondering. And soon I began to notice a theme rising up through the pages that ran through all the chapters. I got a green marking pen, actually, and I started the book of John again, and I started going through every chapter. And there, by the time I was done, there was green in almost every chapter. Um, let me read you a little selection of verses just from the book of John. It's like chapters three and five and six and 10. I pulled them out, but you'll hear the theme really quick. Let me just read you several, several. He that believeth on the son hath everlasting life. You will not come to me that you might have life. He that heareth my word hath everlasting life. I said unto them, I am the bread of life. I am come that they might have life. My sheep hear my voice and I give unto them eternal life. I, in chapter 11, am the resurrection and the life. You can hear it, right? And I remember at the time thinking, you know what? Beautiful. I know this. I believe this. Christ is life. He can give us eternal life. I mean, I was on board with that. I, I was cheering John on for this theme. But I think the crazy thing was, I thought I understood it. And I think the Lord was giggling at me a little bit like, oh, JC, we're just getting warmed up. <laughs> so one day, I almost, as I began to start my study that morning, it felt different. I just can't even hardly describe it. It just felt different. Like the Lord was going, okay, buckle up. Are you ready? And I was led to a verse, not in the book of John, it was in the epistles of John. So same writer, but just later in his epistles, it was 1 John chapter 3. And it's an odd verse. It, it again was focused on the idea of eternal life, that theme that I'd seen over and over and over. But this one was different. He, he was talking about people that are filled with hatred. And I was like, okay, well, wait, what's this? And but the way the verse is phrased, if you have a Bible nearby, or I don't know if you're listening to this on your phone and you can open your scriptures to 1 John 3.15, it would be pretty cool. Maybe even pause the podcast and go get it. Go get a way to, to read it because I want you to look at the words with me because it was a jaw-dropping moment when I read these words. I was like, oh, wait, wait, what did that just say? Here's the verse. Again, talking about those that hate. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Now, forget the, the first part of the verse. That's not what we're concerned about. He's talking about eternal life in a very specific way. Look at what John says. He talks about the potential of eternal life abiding in us, like it's something that can be in us us abiding abiding means to remain or to stay 
a murderer can't have this. But it's the implication that for those that aren't filled with hate, eternal life can abide in us. Now, this blew my mind, blew my stinking mind. I was like, to me, eternal life was life with God forever after I die. It was the reward waiting later in the next life. I had never thought of life as something that could be in me, abiding in me. So with that stirring around my brain, I was like, okay, wait a second. And so I started going back through over the next week or two, going back through the book of John, looking at all those green markings. And I started to see some things that that went right with this idea. For instance, there's four different times in the book of John where John talks about he that believes in the Son has everlasting life. He, he used in the King James, it's the word hath. Whoso believes hath everlasting life. In all the other translations, it's the word has. It's not will have. You believe on the Son and you will have everlasting life someday after this life, after you die in the next kingdom. You'll have it present tense. I look through all the the different translations and they all have a a present tense verb saying you believe you have, you have this life. You can possess it right here and now. I, um, I also found in John chapter six, Christ himself talked about this life. It was 653 as something that can be in you abiding in you. Something you can have now, something that can live inside you. I turned to John 4 to that famous story of the woman in the well. And man, there it was. I had read that story how many times? And yet listen to what he says to the woman. I'd missed it. All my life I'd missed it. He says, the water that I shall give him shall be in him, in him, a well of water springing up to everlasting life. The well inside us will spring up to everlasting life inside us. This idea just kept coming out of John's pages and coming out that it can be in us. And so honestly, you know what I did next was I looked up synonyms for the word eternal or everlasting, right? Because that's what he's been talking about in that book. And, And all of a sudden I realized, okay, eternal just means perpetual, unending, ceaseless, enduring. There's no end. It lasts eternally. It's everlasting. And with that, I'm telling you, I had the biggest light bulb moment of my life where I was like, I think John is saying, and maybe you already know this, but this was new to me, like revolutionary to me. John was saying, yes, okay, yes, there's a gift of eternal life in the future. Occasionally verses talk about it like that, but eternal life can also mean this perpetual, endless, never-ending sense of life that abides inside me, in my heart, in me, right here and now. I can have it. I can possess it. I don't have to wait for it. I can be brought back to life in a way that is eternal, perpetual. Life in me, as he describes it in John 6. Like, guys, I have to tell you, my mind was blown. It was blown (laughs) And I can already tell looking at the clock, we're going to go a little long on this, on this podcast, but I don't care. You can listen to it in two parts if you need to, but we're going to, we're going to do this. Can you see? Like, I was like, what? whoa. And so really what this did is it began to settle on me. Eternal life can live in me, in me. I began to study like a crazy woman to see if I could find this anywhere else. Where else is this in the scriptures? Where else have I missed 
this. Now, we do not have time. I have verses and verses and verses and quotes. I've been studying this for many years now, and I've found a ton. But I'll just share my favorite one with you. It is the most beautiful verse ever. And again, it comes from the Book of Mormon. Those that don't aren't my faith, just hang with me. This is a very cool story. It's a story about a young king named Lamoni who was an unbeliever. And he, through a series of God events, again, miracles, a young missionary was brought into his kingdom and ended up in the palace teaching this king about the message of Christ, about the plan of redemption, the gospel. And this missionary, oh, I want to tell the whole story, but I don't have time. He teaches with such power and authority from God that Lamone is just floored. He, he is overwhelmed with desire to find Christ for himself. And so in the book of Alma, in the book of Mormon, um, chapter 18, it says that Lamona began to crawl, cry unto the Lord, saying, O Lord, have mercy according to thy abundant mercy, which, those ha- which thou hast had on the people of Nephi, who were another group that were believers, have on me and my people. And then it says, now when he said this, he fell to the earth as if he were dead. He's like, he's prostrate. He's just out. But the beautiful part about this story is the way this, another verse describes what was happening to Lamoni after he went unconscious. He begged for the mercy of the Lord. He begged for Christ's atonement to have effect on him as it had on so many believers. And this is what the verse said. This is in Alma 19, verse 6. Now listen very carefully to tie it into our theme. It says, King Lamoni was under the power of God. The dark veil of unbelief. Oh, I'm getting emotional again. I'm sorry. The dark veil of unbelief was being cast away from his mind. And the light which did light up his mind, which was the light of the glory of God, the marvelous light of his goodness. Yea, this light had infused such joy into his soul, the cloud of darkness having been dispelled. And here it comes. Here it comes. And the light of everlasting life was lit up in his soul. Yea, this had overcome his natural frame and he was carried away in God. Carried away in God so much that he was unconscious. So filled with the light of Christ. So consumed with it. It said it lit up his mind. It infused such joy into his soul that he was carried away to God. But the key phrase from that verse If you're LDS, Alma 19.6, you've got to go see that. The light of everlasting life was lit up in his soul. Can you see this is not a gift for after we die? Like we talked about last time, resurrection, yes, it's that kind of a gift. Physical death will be overcome in the next life as we are resurrected and made perfect. But the scriptures here are showing That your sweet soul can be brought back to life right here and now. You do not have to live with spiritual death for the rest of your life. With the emptiness, the void, the numbness, the pain. He can bring us back to life. He can put eternal life in us. John 6, 1 John 3, 15. It's over and over and over. I could give you a list of 20 more. I don't have time. Um, religious leader, Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf says it this way. And I love this quote. This is the key to our season this year or this, this, yeah, sorry. In 2021, 
It is our quest to seek the Lord until his light of everlasting life burns brightly within us. Until his light of everlasting life burns brightly within us. Until that abides in us. Until our flame that feels like it had been blown out is lit. And it's lit in a way that's perpetual, ceaseless, unending, that stays lit, that flickers and dances. It doesn't, now this isn't a state of perfection. It's not a state of sinlessness, a perfect holiness. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being alive in Christ, made alive in Christ, overcoming spiritual death through him and feeling that flame burst to life inside of us and stay lit, stay lit. I mean, does this get you like it got me? Like, is it creating a hunger in you? Like I was driven after this. After this day, I was like so blown away by this idea. Like, is this possible? Um, then I don't just want to read about other people and experience in it. I want this. I'm done with the emptiness and the numbness and the depression and the anxiety and the overwhelm and all exhaustion. I'm just... I'm done feeling like my pilot light's blown out. I want to be made alive in Christ. And it just it has driven me ever since. Can you see the, the hugeness this gives to our journey this season in pursuing spiritual health? This isn't just this little nice walk down a path or we'll, you know, maybe get a little stronger in our prayers. No, we are asking him to resurrect our dead hearts, our souls. And bring them back to life. I will tell you. It's been enough years now. And I have pursued this. For enough years now. That I can share with my whole heart. That this has happened to me. It's not just about reading other people in the scriptures. Experiencing it. I have felt this lit up in my soul. And it is staying lit. Sorry. I can't talk about it without getting emotional. How could you right? I'm on fire now to share this message in a way that it catches fire in others because I think we're missing what he came to offer us. He has come to offer us the most incredible gift that we need so desperately. And we are going to spend this season exploring exactly how it happens, how it's lit within us. What that path needs to look like. It's its a bit of a path. This doesn't happen automatically just because we're believers in Christ. There's a little bit of a journey of repentance, of processing, of discovering, of leaving some things behind. We're going to continue with the story of Adam and Eve, actually. And go through the steps that they went through and look at some patterns and explore in depth how the light of everlasting life can be lit up in our soul as well. I'm just going to leave it at that. You can tell I want to just go for another (laughs) half hour and we will. We will. I'm so excited for you to join me this season. I'm going to leave you with one verse from Isaiah 55, verse three, because this is it in a nutshell. Incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live. Join me in this season and we will understand exactly what that means, and how to be made alive in Christ. Thanks so much.